to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, first chapter, starting in verse 3. 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces you in the patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Thank you, Jared. What a great Lord's Day to be together with the Lord's people. It is a really great day to be here, and I hope that you're excited about some of the things that are going on. I hope you're just excited about being here to give worship and praise to God this morning. Uh, I made my day when I was walking back and I saw Miss Joyce Thomas with us this morning. Hadn't been able to be here for, uh, for a while and uh, just thrilled that she's able to be here and several others uh, that, that are here this morning. Mark on your calendar when you get home, March the 14th. Would you do that? It's a Saturday night and our young people are having a banquet to help with the Honduras mission trip that's coming up soon. Just mark that and if, if you can't afford to help with a dime of that, that's fine. But just be here. Just come and support our young people and it's going to be a great evening and it's going to launch us off into a great trip to Honduras this year to help a lot of people and to reach a lot of people, to touch a lot of souls. You know, one of the interesting things about being a preacher is that you, you get invited into a lot of situations that, that maybe other people might not get invited into. Uh, and some of that's really good and really fun and exciting. You, you get invited into some of the, some of the, the, the best times of life when, when, when people are getting married and when people are having babies and, and, and on and on these things go that, that you, you, you get to have a, a special place in a lot of the good parts of life. But the flip side of that is you, you also are invited into some of the most difficult times of life. When people are dying. When people are struggling. When people are looking for answers. A lot of times they call the preacher. And we can debate about right or wrong, what should be, what is. I, that's not my point. It is. And you know a lot of times when I find myself in those situations, I have no idea what to say. I have no idea what to do. I personally can't relate at all to what they're going through. I mean, I can relate to pain or to suffering or to heart, but I, I can't say, you know what, I've been there. And, and the truth is, as I reflect back, it's much better now than it used to be. I, I was in the pulpit when I was 20 or 21 years old. And I can remember that people would call me, and I would think, I, I, I don't know. I mean, people, people would call me... Uh, to, to do a funeral. My first funeral that I ever preached was probably the second funeral I ever attended. I didn't know. I couldn't relate to that. And people would call up and they'd say, you know, we're, we're struggling in our marriage. 
We've been married for 20 years, 30 years, and it's falling apart, and we want you to help. And, and you know what? I couldn't relate to that. I'm not saying that we couldn't open the Scriptures and that we couldn't learn some things and we couldn't be inspired. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying I couldn't relate to that. I remember sitting up all night early on with Irvin Carricker. You remember Irvin Shelley? Sitting up all night and watching him die. But I didn't just watch him die. I watched his wife say goodbye to her husband. And I remember thinking, what am I doing here? I, 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 I can't relate to that. And we could go on and on with the examples. But as I look at my own shortcomings, one of the things I've also noticed, as I've been, a lot of, I've been around a lot of suffering, I've noticed that there's a real fellowship. There is a fellowship of suffering. That you can just see that amongst people who have suffered in similar ways or in similar times, there's something that just pulls them together. And I don't know that I have the words to quantify it, but every one of us have seen it. Most of us have experienced it. And when we look at someone and we say, you know what I've dealt with. You've walked in my shoes. And it, it, it creates an openness in our relationship that, 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 is, that is amazing. And it's many times unexpected. This year at Evangelism University, we, I, I, was, I, was in the, uh, I was in the hospitality room. And I was standing there in my normal position over the sausage balls, you know, making sure that those got eat. And this guy walks up and I had seen his face. I didn't know his name. We weren't even Facebook friends. And we start to talk a little bit. And he makes a comment about something and I kind of ask a question about it. And he kind of makes a reference to some struggles that he's going through in, in his life right now. And I've gone through those same struggles. And I just, say, I just kind of give him a little glimpse just to let him know, you know what, you're not alone. You're not the first person that's gone through those things. And right there, right there over those sausage balls in the hospitality room, that guy told me some of the most intimate details of his life. Where did that come from? It's just a fellowship of suffering. And most of us have found ourselves in those situations. I sat with someone, I remember we were at La Potosina and, and we were talking about life and experience, and they, and they said, I don't know why I'm telling you all these things. But we could, we could share, we could relate. I want us to think about that fellowship of suffering. But not just a fellowship of suffering, I want us to think about a fellowship of suffering as a way to heal, as a way to comfort those who are hurting. You know, those who have suffered are in a unique position to help those who are in need of comfort. See, there are certain people when they walk in the door, you may know their name, but you also know their story. You know everything about them. Not everything about them, but you know that thing about them. They bring their story with them everywhere they go. And they might be tempted to, to want to get away from that story, but it is there. And when they speak, you not only hear their words, and you not only see a person, but you hear those words in light of everything that you know about that person. And in many times, it provides instant credibility. That fellowship of suffering. I've also learned, what I hope that we'll learn some, some more of this morning, that those, those who have been comforted, those who have been comforted are in a unique position to comfort those who are suffering. That's just the reality. You have a unique ability. 
Where, where you can come into a situation, it's not that you have any answers. It's not that you have a magic pill. But you stand there as symbolic of the fact that I went through that and I'm still standing here. I went through that and now I'm, I'm on the other side of it. And if I can't give you any other hope, I can give you the hope that you too can overcome these things. You too can see your way through these things. And then finally, I've also learned that giving comfort, it's not just life giving to the one who's being comforted. It's also life giving to the one who's doing the comforting. We look for purpose. We look for reason. Someone was in the office this week and they're going through a hard time and they're, they're struggling and they're in one of those new normal situations of their life. And they said, I, I just wanted to mean something. I want something good to come out of this. And every one of you have been able to take your pain and your heartache and your hardship and you've been able to funnel that into, into bringing comfort into someone else's life. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you can't see it because you're still too close to it. But I pray that you will see it. I pray that you'll receive life from those things as we become sharers of comfort. We're in the last lesson of this series of lessons talking about our new normal. What do you do when there is nothing that you can do? And many of the things that we've talked about is to understand about God. To understand that when we find ourselves in those situations, whether they are relational and with our marriage, our children, whether it have to do with our job or our social setting, whatever they are, that God is not absent. He is not apathetic. He's not angry with us. As a matter of fact, God is here. God's with you. And God cares very much about what you're dealing with right now. We've talked about the fact that you have an opportunity. I can't force this upon you, but you have an opportunity to see whatever your new normal is as a gift. This is hard. But to change our perspective, to say, you know what? This is, this is, not, this is not the end of the world. This is a gift that God has given to me that has a purpose and I know that it has a promise behind it. We've talked about the strength of God. And friends, He is the one who will get us through those things that are much, much bigger than us. But this morning, I want us to talk a little bit about that purpose. As you think about yourself and your situation and the struggles of your life. And I want us to do that by using the text that Jared read for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is making his introductory remarks, but in those remarks he says some things that, that I think are pretty insightful, pretty challenging. He says this in verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's our God. Blessed be God who is the God of all comfort in our lives. That is our God. And I want us to know that's also where the rub comes. That's also where the struggle comes. Not, not when times are good, but when we're in the midst of it and we're saying, where is God? That we struggle, we struggle to make these statements about our God who is the God of all comfort. It's problematic to a lot of people. It's why a lot of people walk away from their faith. Because they can't believe that God would allow them to go through whatever they're going through. Surely God would act. Surely God would do something. And you want to talk about a God of comfort? The writers of the New Testament, and Paul in particular, was not a stranger to this conflict. 
He didn't live in some ivory tower where all of his problems were gone. And, and we, we tend to do that, don't we? Whenever someone else is trying to talk to us, we, we, we want to say, well, if you only understood, if you only knew what I was going through, and I've had all those same feelings and all those same emotions. Paul was not one who had no clue. He was not raised with this silver spoon in his mouth where his life knew no suffering and it knew no hardship. In this same book, in the same book where he begins by talking about our God of comfort, he's also going to talk about that same God who gave him a thorn in the flesh that became a great problem in his life. It's in this same book that he's going to recount a little bit about his life in chapter 11 when he says, when he says, five times I, was, I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers amongst false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. That's the man who says, Blessed be our God. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Who comforts us? Who comforts us? In all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Blessed be the God of comfort. When you're you're hurting in life, What do you pray for? Do you pray for comfort? I thought about this this week and I thought, thought, you know, when was the last time that I prayed for comfort? And I really don't don't remember the last time I prayed for comfort. You know what I pray for when I'm in the midst of a trial or I'm in the midst of a storm? I just forgot to do something about it. Fix it. End it. Get me out of this. That's what I tend to pray for. And you can pray for all those things. Paul prayed for those things, right? And you may or may not receive the things that you ask for. But it may be that we simply need to pray for comfort. It may mean that we find ourselves in a place of life that is where we never wanted to be, but it's exactly where God has placed us. And He's not going to move us. But He will hold our hand. He will bring us strength. He will comfort us. He will provide us wisdom to understand. That is the God of comfort. The comfort of God that we can count on. And in this verse, He gives us one of the purposes of our suffering. Of why we're going through what we're going through. You remember I said that's an option, and you don't have to believe this or not, but but it's still the reality. That with with every trial and with every hardship, God is there and God is active and God is working. And I don't know how, and I can't diagram it, and I don't have all the answers, and you don't either. But he says, here's part of the purpose. In the jail on Wednesday night, we, we looked at 
We looked at, at James chapter 1 and verse 4 where, where he, he has the, this, these audacious words and he talks about how whenever we, whenever, we are dis, whenever we encounter trials, that we should consider it what? Joy. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time that you considered it joy? See, I, I don't think if, if we really got that, we probably wouldn't have had a four or five part series on this. Because whenever I get in this new normal, I'm thinking, this stinks. This is terrible. Get me out of this. He says, you consider it joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And then, here's verse 4. This, this is what resonated with a lot of those guys. And let endurance have its perfect result. This thing that you're going through, this trial, this struggle, this time of life, let it have its perfect result. Let it play out. Let it lead you to where God wants it to lead you to. You don't have to. You can bail. You can run. You can remove it. You can do all sorts of things. He says if you consider it a joy, you'll let it play out in your life. You'll learn to embrace these things because you will find purpose that's what Paul's talking about. The God of all comfort who has comforted us so that... Don't you always, isn't this always the question that you want the answer to? Why are these things happening? I mean, I look at my life and I see what's happening. I look at his life and it's not happening in his life. So how come it's happening in my life but it's not happening in his life? Why, God? I mean, that, that's the question. Why? If you tell me why, I could deal with it a little bit better. I'm going to tell you one reason why. So that. You're going through what you're going through. You fill in the blank on this. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Friends, there are things in this life that God will not deliver you from. But He will deliver you through. He will not deliver you from these things in your life, but He will deliver you through these things. He will walk with you. But you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you're never going to have to walk alone. God comforts us so that we might comfort others. As you begin to frame and you begin to understand whatever your new normal is, let that thought permeate into your mind. The purpose behind this is so that I can bring comfort to other people. Things that I could not before, I can now. Connections that I could not make before, I can make now. Comfort that I could not give before, I can give now. I look in this room and I see a group of people who have lived a lot of life. I see struggles with sickness. I see struggles with family. I see struggles with, with, uh, with jobs. I see struggles with personalities. I see lots of struggles in this room. But I also see a group of people who are uniquely qualified because of your life. Not just the good parts, but also the worst parts. To reach out and bring comfort to those who are in need with the same comfort that you have been given by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Remember the sufferings of Christ. 
Remember the cross. Remember the flesh. The Hebrew writer says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. That's significant. Do you know this week I was talking with my wife about, about, a, about a struggle that I'm having in my life right now. And we were talking about the, the, the struggles and the suffering of Christ. And, and we do those things, and I think rightfully so, to, to, to put our struggles and our, and our, our, our hardships in perspective. Right? That, that, that when I compare what I'm dealing with to what Christ dealt with, what I'm dealing with all, all too often looks very, very petty. But my mind went somewhere else this week when we were having that discussion. I mean, it still made my struggles look pretty petty. But I just said this. I said, yeah, I know. I know what Christ went through. It must have been really hard for Him. And that's all I could think about. Because I'm telling you, this is hard. And this, this, is, this, is, this is a struggle. And this, this is, threatens to break you. And it threatens to overwhelm you. And, and you know, it must have been really terrible for Christ. That's what I'm sharing in. The sufferings of Christ that are ours in abundance. There is a parallel between my suffering, between your hardship, and the suffering of Christ. But there is also a parallel between your suffering and your ability or your capacity to bring comfort through Christ. It means our capacity to comfort is determined by the degree to which we have suffered. You ever been in the midst of something and someone will talk to you and all you can think is you don't understand? You ever, you ever talk to people like that? Some of you probably talked to me and you've thought that. You don't understand. That's why I've talked to some of you and I've thought that. You don't understand. And then somebody walks in who understands. And somebody comes into the room, a brother or a sister in Christ, and they bring all that credibility, they bring all that baggage with them, and they understand completely. And that person can look you in the eye and they can say, I know. I don't know exactly, but I know. I know. I know the fear. I know the uncertainty. I know the anger that you're struggling with. I've worked through all of those emotions. I've had all of those emotions. And here's what I know. I know that there's life on the other side. I know that our God can bring you through this. So don't give up hope. Because I've been there. Friends, that's powerful. And Paul says that we are comforted by God, not just so we'll feel better. We are comforted by God so that we can comfort others. A few weeks ago, we, we had a, a lady who was visiting with us in, in the midst of a divorce. Been married for 20, 30 years, going through a divorce. Do you know who I wanted to talk to her? Not me. She didn't want to hear from me. What, what do I, I don't know about that. I wanted some of you ladies to talk to her who had been going through a divorce. Some of you ladies who have been there and you've done that. You can speak life in, into that person's life in ways that other people simply can't. And you say, this is a terrible part. Yeah, but God has equipped you to do something. God has taken the darkest moments of your life and He's turned them into a great power and a great blessing. Some of you have dealt with, with unfaithfulness in your marriages. Hurt, hardship, brokenness in your marriages. Now we can open the Word of God and we can turn it, but I want you to speak to some people who have walked that road. 
Not, not, not to the people who walked that road and walked away, but I want you to speak to the people who have walked that road and they've come back together. That's powerful. I had a, I had a friend, I say a friend, I, knew, I know him from college, and I saw on Facebook he'd been, he'd been, he'd been fired. He's a preacher, okay? He'd been fired from his job. And, and he, 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 he was just fired, right? I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't tended to by his shepherds. They said, we don't want you anymore. You find somewhere else to worship next week. One of those sorts of things. And, and he was struggling. And he was struggling because he was worried about his family. And he has a little girl, and that little girl can't be with her friends anymore. And, and he was struggling with his purpose in life. I've been there. It's my turn to pick up the phone and to say, you know what? I'm sorry you're going through this. And I don't have any magic answers. I don't. I didn't. I never will. You don't. But I want you to know that there's light on the other side. God has comforted us so that we can comfort other people. I said in the very first lesson, you know, our, our, I, I can teach any Bible class in this building outside of like the preschoolers. I probably couldn't teach that. But you know what? I can't teach the single mom's class on Wednesday night. I can extol on the Scriptures and I can explain it, but I can't go in there and relate to them on the same level that some of these other ladies relate to them. Not capable. And your qualification comes from one of the most darkest parts of your life. Whatever your new normal is, whatever you are struggling with, understand that God has comforted you, not just so you'll be comforted, but so that you can be a comforter. But if we are afflicted, He says... It is for your comfort and salvation. He's speaking to his brethren in Corinth. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. So you look at your life, and we've been doing this for several weeks, and we just kind of say, I look at this and I, I don't know what to do. I mean, it's hard and it's difficult and I didn't ask to be here and I didn't choose to be here and I wouldn't want anybody else to be here. It just is what it is and, and there's, there's really nothing that I see that I can do about it. There's at least no options that are any good. I see a lot of options that are going to make it worse. Paul says, Paul says, all this stuff, whether it's affliction, you know what? Maybe we just keep on day after day after day. Maybe for the rest of your life. Some of you are dealing with stuff that you're going to have with you for the rest of your life. I mean, you know, the doctors can treat it, but they can't cure it. I got a buddy of mine. Preaches, preaches, he's a preacher and he's got cancer. And I said, you know, cancer gone? He says, real, real, the cancer's really never gone. I mean, it goes into remission, it, 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 but, but it's always there. For the rest of my life, it's going to be there. So whether it's in affliction and whether, whether things continue in this difficult way, or maybe, maybe everything works out. Maybe God works in my life in ways that I never thought God could work in my life, because that's how He generally works in my life. Whether it's in affliction or it's in comfort, He says, it is for your benefit. It is for your comfort. It is for your salvation. Because there's somebody else in this moment, there will be somebody else in the future who's going through the exact same thing, and they're thinking, this is going to break me. I can't see my way through this. Nothing good can come out of this. What is God doing? What is God preparing me for? 
We start asking those questions, I believe it will transform the way that we react. The way that we react to those new normals in our life. And it will bring us maybe even to the verge of being able to count those things as a joy and as a blessing. He says, our hope, our hope for you is firmly grounded. Knowing that as, that, that, that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so you are sharers of our comfort. I don't know why God didn't answer prayer the way that you want Him to answer it. I don't know. I don't know why God hasn't answered my prayers the way that I want God to answer my prayers. Because I've sure prayed them. Haven't you prayed them? Haven't you prayed those prayers that it seemed like, you know, I, I, I laid forth pretty much a perfect plan for God to fix a lot of stuff in my life. And He kind of acted like I never even put it on His desk. I don't know the answers. But I know that we have a God who is here. I know we have a God who loves us. I know we have a God who will work in our life whether we are a teenager or we are 98 years old to accomplish His good and His purposes. I know that many times God will comfort us. Not just so that we'll be comforted, but He will comfort us so that we might comfort someone else. Whatever your moment is, whatever, whatever your new normal is. Can I suggest a risky course? Can I suggest that you embrace it? Can I suggest that you actually do allow those moments to define you? The world's saying, don't let this define you. But the Scriptures seem to be over and over saying, let this define you. Let it change you. Let it make an impact in your life. Let it equip you to be something that you were not before. To the point that you can actually rejoice in those things. Because there is nothing that you can do. You look down the barrel and you find yourself in a season of life where there is nothing you can do. If there was, you would do it. When you find yourself in those moments, I want you to know that there is something that God can do. There is something that God is doing if you will walk with Him. And so I invite you this morning, whatever it is that you struggle with, to walk with Him. To allow Him to take the worst parts of your life and to turn them into blessings, not only for yourself, but for His eternal kingdom. Not just to be someone who prays for God to fix it, to be someone who prays, God, that You will take these things and allow them to make me into Your image so that I will be a share of comfort. That's why God comforts us. Come and walk with Him. Be baptized into His death. Walk in His path. Repent of the sins that You have held so dear. Receive strength and forgiveness that no man can give to You. That's the invitation. Come as we stand and sing.